Tonight, how you might want to digest the newest inflation report. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Well, we've been talking about it all week, and, and the monthly inflation report finally came out. All eyes are on it because the report generally drives stock market movement, which drives your 401k. And, you know, it was okay. Yes. But the Consumer Price Index, that's the primary index that we use for looking at inflation, it was up a little higher than expected. Yeah, so the yearly rate on inflation moved up from 3.2% in July to 3.7% in August. And and we knew it was going to go up. We were expecting 3.6%. So it's really only a tenth of a percent higher than we were expecting. What's driving it? Oil prices. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, oil it, prices. When you fill up your tank, you've seen it's gone up 40, 50 cents in the last month. So yeah, that's that's the headline inflation. That's the consumer price index. And I don't care how much politicians or the media says, well, yeah, but we really want to look at core inflation. I'm sorry. I, I use gas. I fill up my tank. Oh, and by the way, core inflation doesn't include food. Most people that I know eat food. I, I mean, so, okay, we'll talk about core inflation in a second, yeah. but uh, the headline inflation, the consumer price index, went up quite a bit. Well, it's also what the headlines are focusing on, of course. Uh, Market Watch, they seemed to be the most concerned about this. I'm sure there's some out there that were a little bit louder, so to speak, but they had a headline that said CPI shows biggest increase in U.S. inflation yeah. in four. Months, yeah, and, and it's true, but they're spinning it, and, and that drives yes, that drives me crazy. When I, all I want is data, I'll make my own conclusions. Yeah, it's up, and that bothers me. But when you see words, and and in the same article, when Market Watch uh, came out and, and announced these, they said the rate leapt, leapt, yes, leapt to three point seven percent. I don't think that's so much a, a leap as it is a bump, I, you know, but we're getting into semantics for crying out loud. It's a baby it ca- step. It's, it's, it's it, not, it, it is, but it's the wrong direction. It that, is that's the wrong direction, but, but saying that it leapt is, is misleading in my opinion. And I don't appreciate it. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Your feelings are hurt. Words can hurt. Yeah, according they can. To Steve Ruby. You know, it's, it, you know, they said this can cast a negative tone over the financial market. So the yeah. key here is to remember that, if it bleeds, it reads. Yeah. So they want is, clicks. They, yeah. They want you to pay attention to their website. So the ad revenue flows in. So you, you see these these scary headlines and, and they have no fiduciary responsibility right. to make sure that you are making the right choices in your financial future. This this, this type of thing bugs me. That, that's, that's why I said that, because when, when I started my career, I was in a 401k customer service role. Okay. And, and you could tell when there was something spooky in the headlines because people would call in and they would say, I want to put everything in, in a money market. Can yeah. I do that in there? The phones would just light up, I bet. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, at the time, I wasn't in, in a role where I could, you know, hit the, the pause button and say, why do you want to do that? Okay, so I, you, I, you could not give advice. Not when I was in customer service before yeah. I ever got my securities licenses right. and eventually became a certified financial planner. So the, these headlines they bug they bug the crap out of me. If and, I'm being and, honest, and, because, and that's why they're 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 dangerous. Yes, because the average person says, sees these headlines and says, "This sounds really bad. I need to do something." Yeah, and, I need to act on my exactly. emotion and, and call my 401k provider and put everything in cash. That, yeah. that's that that's why when you know it, it's a noisy headline like that and it says it leapt it, it's it it bugs me it does okay so that that's the headline consumer price index 
And I, I mentioned, okay, there's something called core CPI, core consumer price index, and that cuts out food and energy. The reason we pay attention to the core CPI is because that kind of gives you an idea of what the longer term trend is. And that news was good, but not as good as we were hoping. That actually came down a little bit. Yeah, so that that's the key here because, yes, the, the Fed does view core rate as a better predictor of future inflation trends because food and energy are volatile. When you strip that out, it's, it's something that they pay more attention to when they're making decisions about what they're going to do with interest rates. Prices rose three-tenths of a percent when stripping out food and energy, but the annual rate, this is the key, the annual rate fell from 4.7% in July to 4.3% in August. Yeah, and, and we were looking for 4.2. So they, they again, a, a tenth of a percent miss, but that's still, it's it's pointing in the right direction. That's the inflation number that the Fed looks at. So this is, here's why it's important. Again, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which went up, that's you. That, that, that affects you filling up with gas, going to Kroger and that sort of things. That went in the wrong direction. But the core CPI, affects the Federal Reserve and their decisions on whether or not they need to raise interest rates again, which I don't think they're going to do next week. But November might be on the table because these numbers, they're coming down, but they're they're not at the 2% that the Fed wants. We might be at 3% by the end of this year, though. We certainly could be. Yeah. And, and and this MarketWatch article that we're talking about that, that, I'm, that I'm stuck on here, by the way, it, it spent no time talking about the fact that annual uh, rate in, in core uh, CPI fell. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Steve Ruby, and we're talking about the inflation numbers that came out. Uh, and it's kind of a mixed bag. On the one hand, yeah, gasoline prices are up, so headline inflation is up. By the way, it's about a dollar a gallon more in Phoenix. I was talking to my son out there. They're paying about four fifty a gallon for regular. I, I, I mean, we we've always got it pretty good here in Cincinnati, and I'm not happy about the price of gas around here. Um, never mind some other areas of the country. Here's a point I think we need to make: the Federal Reserve, when they raise interest rates to slow down the economy, that's not going to bring the price of oil down. That's not going to affect the prices at the pump. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, what the Fed does doesn't have an impact on oil at all. So, you know, we, we do want to note that despite the fact that core inflation is lower, it is still more than double the rate that the Fed wants at, yeah. at 2%. And, and you know, we're, we're waiting to see what happens next week. What, what are they going to do? Uh, Allworth Chief Investment Officer Andy Stout believes there's not enough out there that, that the Fed's going to kick up right. interest rates uh, right. again this next time around. But come November 1st meeting... Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, about a 50-50 chance in November based on what we know today. But the Fed's always been upfront about if the data changes, our policy is going to change. I don't think they're going to change. I don't see them increasing interest rates when they meet next week, primarily because all the different presidents of the various Federal Reserve Banks around the country, they're pretty much all on record saying, we're doing what we need to. We like the numbers. We need to give these numbers a little bit of time to work their way through the economy and see what the impact is. So, you know, when, when they're on record saying um, more or less, uh, we're good, we don't need to raise interest rates, they can't 
turn right around in a week's time and raise interest rates, markets would go kablooey if yeah, they did something like that. If, if we're talking about the language, we, we did talk yeah. about this on, on Monday this week, yeah. you know, looking into the language that these different Fed presidents use. And, and a lot of it is kind of a, a wait and see. We, we, we're not going to do anything now, but we're not closing the door on future interest rate hikes. Yeah. Because just like you said, they, they do look at all the new information to decide what they're going to do. It, so so what, what should we do? Well, what, what should you do with your 401k with your, I wouldn't do anything. That's right. I, I wouldn't make any changes. I, I mean, this is, this is fun stuff to talk about. It's aggravating to think about, you know, how much is it going to cost me next time at Kroger? Um, can you believe the prices of some of these things? By the way, the number one increase that I saw in, in month over month in prices going up was food at schools. Yeah. Schools are back in session and they're charging your kid Fifty-seven percent more. That was the lunch. highest. Oh, uh, by on far. the list. I saw that too. Isn't yeah. that remarkable? Yeah, price gouging families as I they know. send their kids back yeah. to school. Yeah, isn't it great? Yeah, yeah. car car insurance was up almost twenty percent. Car repairs up seventeen percent. Rents are finally slowing down, and and I think that's because the the prices of real estate that skyrocketed over the past couple of years. Well, when you're talking close to 8% on a 30-year mortgage, there aren't as many investors out there going out and buying up a house to offer it for rent. Um, yeah, when they had to pay more, they're going to charge more for rent. Well, that's pretty much slowed down to a crawl right right now. And it takes, a, a well, up to a year. Most leases are a year for that that adjustment in home pricing to impact rents. And, and rents were only up 8% last month. So that, I think, finally, we're seeing shelter costs get back down to mm -hmm. somewhat normal. But there again, I don't see them going down. Um, I know you like your eggs. Eggs were one eggs of finally the biggest, went down a lot. Yeah, down 16%. 16%. Yes. There we go. And, and so you're saving money now, but you're going to spend more on the cardiologist later. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, you, we talk about inflation all the time. You know, yeah. it's a hot topic right now. And and one of the reasons why we invest isn't just to, to get rich quick. You know, you're putting right. money in a 401k. Hopefully right. your employer matches it. You build an asset allocation that you're comfortable with, not making emotional decisions when the markets have some volatility. So so we invest in the long term also to keep up with inflation. It's no question, because if we're at that target two percent rate that we want to see, even then, the value of goods and services the, or the cost of goods and services yeah. doubles about every 22 to 23 years. Yeah. And if you're on a fixed income, yeah, you get cost of living increases in Social Security, but pensions, corporate pensions don't go up. Very um, rarely is there a cost of living adjustment. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to pay attention to inflation. And and you know what? What really bothers me, and, and I'm fine if you're smart and want to go through the effort and do your own financial plan knock yourself out. You don't always have to hire a professional, but I've seen some financial plans out there that don't account for inflation. That's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, that's that's one of the the biggest areas for improvement that I see when yeah. I when I have somebody come in and they you know, they're trying to get an understanding of where they are and they built their own spreadsheet and they didn't even bake inflation into it. Yeah. That's a big miss. It, it, well, yeah, it's a huge miss. That's a big miss. Here's the all worth advice. Don't worry about your 401k as it relates to inflation because your plan should already account for volatility. Coming up next, what could be the worst example of timing the market that there is and why you might as well just call it gambling. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial on 55KRC, the talk station.
You're listening to Simply Money, presented by All Worth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. Hey, if you can't listen to Simply Money every night, very next day, just get it on our daily podcast. You can listen the next morning during your commute, at the gym, whatever you happen to be doing. And if you've got some friends that could use some financial advice, tell them too. Just search Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight ahead at 643, we're tackling questions about company matches, the bond market, and more in our Ask the Advisor segment. Okay, so, you know, they, they can't get out of their own way. Bed, bath, and beyond, or as I call them, bed, bath, and bankrupt, because <laughs> that, that's what they are. I, I see what you did there, Steve. Um, yeah, there is some, some of the former employees there just got some really bad news about one of the investments in their 401k called a guaranteed interest account. Yeah. So those that had invested in the guaranteed interest account that they believed was actually low risk saw losses of about 10%. And this was in relation to the plan's termination because of the bankruptcy. Yeah. And I think this is important for everybody listening because most 401k plans, yeah, you've got your stock option, your stock choices, you've got your bond choices. He's always a money market with zero risk and very little interest. But most plans have something called a fixed account. And a fixed account may be bonds, but it may very well be an insurance product. And that's what burned these people. I'm not anti-insurance, but this is a fixed account that generally pays more interest than the money market. But it's really a contract with an insurance company, kind of like a CD issued by the insurance company that's backed by the insurance company, and it may have some features, which Bed Bath & Beyond apparently had, where when the plan terminates, um, they cash out these contracts, and there may be significant losses. We're talking about upwards of 10% losses with these people. Yeah, so j just to be clear here, this this is uh, not this is out of the ordinary, because yeah. this is part of a plan termination because of the bankruptcy. Yeah. So yeah. had had these investors in the, in the Bed Bath & Beyond 401k plan been able to hold these contracts yeah. without the plan terminating and forcing an early payout because just like if you cash out of a CD early you lose interest yeah. this is a similar type conversation. Yeah, but I'll bet you most of these people had no clue exactly. that this was they, a feature. They didn't know. And, and yeah. unfortunately, because of the timing, uh, some of these people actually got moved into this investment Okay. before the plan terminated. So, so it's basically it's down because interest rates went up as much as they did, yeah. which last time this happened was 50 years. So congratulations on your luck, I suppose, just because a plan terminated when the Federal Reserve increased interest rates 11 times in a year and a half, you got host. Yeah. And, and even if your employer is stable, just remember, it, it can be wise to spread out retirement savings across different accounts. I'm talking about if you leave one employer and join another, yeah. maybe sit down and talk with an advisor about the pros and cons of moving your money to a rollover IRA that's not tied to any particular employer. Yeah. Pros plan. and cons. Be careful with that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. There are pros and cons yeah. and you need to have that conversation because there are reasons to have it in a 401k as well. And if you're in the fixed account in your company's 401k plan, research it a little bit, find out what you actually own. Okay. One of our mantras on the show is don't time the market. You can't predict the future. And, and when your timing, especially short term, you're going to get burned more often than not because basically you're gambling. And we're seeing a huge uptick in what I think everybody can call is, is gambling. It's certainly not investing. And that's 
short-term options trading. You've got some experience in this field. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I come from a place where at once upon a time, I, I have securities licenses that allow me to oversee options trading for, for teams of individuals that help uh, retail clients with, with processing these types yeah. of trades. Uh, options trading... It, <laughs> In this day and age, with with how easily accessible it is through certain apps yeah. like Robinhood, yeah. can be very, very dangerous to the everyday investor. Well, let's talk about why it is speculative. You, most people, you know, think of the stock market as okay. I buy some shares of stock. If it goes up, I sell it at a profit. Okay, options are not buying the shares of stock. Options are buying the ability to buy stock at a certain price within usually nine months. Or yes. thereabouts. Yeah, it's, think of it as a, a bet between two investors. Yeah. One side has the right to buy the underlying stock. One side has the obligation to sell the okay. stock. Furthermore, you don't even have to own the stock to buy these contracts. Yeah. So you can borrow house money from your brokerage firm for a fee at interest. Yeah, for yeah. for a fee yeah. is the key there. And, and what's happening is these short-term options contracts. They, they have incredible profit potential yeah. because the likelihood of it becoming actually in the money, as you would call it, is so low that it almost never happens. Yeah, yeah. So this is where speculation comes into play because what happens with these brokerage firms now is we, we used to have to go through a, a rigorous questioning with uh, the brokerage firm understanding your, your background with investing in options, how, how long you've been investing in stock. I don't think these apps are doing that. No, these apps, they just don't care. So, so here's what we're seeing, literally, and the reason we're talking about this, there's been a 40% uptick in activity in short-term op options that expire within a day. So basically, you know, yeah, this option could be a nine-month option, but you're buying it the day before it expires and becomes worthless. So you're betting on a one-day movement of either an individual stock or a stock index, and you, you're it's worthless if it goes the wrong way in that one day. Um, Robinhood is one of the apps that is seeing a huge amount of activity in this. And brokerages, are, they're not going to give up on this because they made about $2 billion trading options on behalf of investors just last year. It's a, it's a huge money uh, maker for them. That is amazing. $2 billion in profits off people where, yeah. where one side is always going to lose because remember, yeah. again, it's a bet between, it's a bet. Be, between yeah. two investors. So these brokerage firms are making a killing off of it, which, which is why that barrier for, for entry is so low now. You, you can get on there, and, and I'm not advocating for this. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you, you can get on, on the Robinhood app, answer a couple of questions, and be trading very complex option strategies quickly. Yeah, I, and, and I, I think this number sums it all up. Brokerages made $2 billion last year, but investors on average lost $2.1 billion uh -huh. over a year and a half time. It's almost the same time frame. It, it's it's gambling because if you walk in a casino, yeah, uh, pretty light fixtures, free drinks, all that stuff. Guess how that how, how they paid for that? It, in the long run, the investor or the gambler is going to lose. The house always wins. Yeah, and keep in mind, it, it's it's pretty easy now nowadays to go out and on some, some some message board, maybe Reddit, maybe even Wall Street Bets if you're familiar with it. Yeah, that's how a lot of these guys and, and gals on there made quick money because they weren't they weren't actually buying uh, GameStop, for example. A lot of them were buying 
uh, call options, which yeah. is the right to buy at a specific price point. So right. if, if the price went way up, then you could buy it lower than where it was. And that's where the profit comes from. But that's all speculation. It, it is. It's got to be money that you assume is going to be gone. Don't invest real money. Here's the all worth advice. Don't try and time the market, period. The end. Coming up next, how to make the most out of the student loan payments that are starting back up for millions of people. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KIRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by All Worth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. All right, we're out of delays. The time has come for the 44, yes, 44 million Americans to start paying on their student loans again. We're talking about $1.6 trillion in debt, and they got to start paying it back that is such, in October. That is such a massive number. It's Isn't crazy. that remarkable? So how we got here, the pause began back in March of 2020. This was emergency COVID-19 relief measure that was extended over and over again, oftentimes at the last minute. Yeah. And, and this has caused borrowers to kind of tune out this this news every time. So wait, wait a second. So are you telling me you don't think every borrower out there continue to make payments into their own bank account for when they would have to start making payments again? No, every single one of them did that, Steve. No, nobody, You're crazy. Nobody did <laughs> I that. I know, not, not a single, and, well, there, there were a handful of people that probably did, but that's the minority. And we're talking about, I mean, the numbers, again, they're staggering. $1.6 million, or tr million, $1.6 trillion, 44 million people are affected by this. And yeah, you're going to have to start making payments. See, the average payment, well, the average um, student loan amount is about 29 grand per person. So, okay, that's basically you bought a car. The average payment's about $300 a month. Yeah, that's right about where a car payment is. And that's taken a lot of money out of the economy that had been going into the economy. In my opinion, it's one more shoe to drop on the reason that you're going to see the economy continue to slow down because th this is $300 a month that you're not using to go out to, to spend uh, on retail. This is money just going towards paying off a stinking loan that may or may not have gotten you a better job. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I I, I finished with uh, significant student loans. You and me both. Yeah. I, I, I was the first person in my family to go to college, uh, get any kind of an advanced degree after, after high school for that matter. And and I, you know, I got the grants. I, I did. Yeah. You know, I, I come from a family that did that did not have much, so I, I right. got you know Pell grants and whatnot. But right. I, I still finished with forty thousand dollars in student loans. Did you really? I did. Yeah. So, but you paid it back. I did. And 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 that's the that's the point that I don't get. A lot of people say, well, I shouldn't have to pay this back. Um, why? Yeah. If you sign papers to pay back a loan, you owe that money. And yeah, the current administration they were trying to figure out ways to reduce the amount of student debt. Um, well, that's unconstitutional, apparently. They did squeak by, and, and some people are under the assumption that, oh, no, they, they're still getting rid of ten dollars or $20,000 of debt. No, that's a very narrow segment that may or may not be allowed after it works its way through the courts of people that have been making income-based payments, reduced payments, for over 20 years. Yeah. So if you didn't have reduced payments and made those payments for over 20 years, um, guess what? Yeah, you've You've got to make your payments. Um, cer certain things, I think, if you owe student loans or if you've got a kid that owns money on a student loan, you need to check as we're getting into closer and closer to October. 
Um, you, you can't just sit on your hands. You have to check a few boxes. Yeah. So again, the, the payments, they, they don't restart until sometime in October, but interest is going to start accruing on September 1st. Yeah. yeah. Already. It's already started yeah. accruing. So there's, there's things you need to do. For, first of all, uh, check your address. Yeah, if Since you moved in the of, last three years, they may not be aware. Yeah, and and there's also your loans are sometimes sold from from one organization to another. So many borrowers have gotten a new loan servicer that they might not even know at this point. There, there's 30 million borrowers have actually gotten a new loan servicer. Yeah. So I, I think step one is um, go to studentaid.gov and review your contact information. Um, so obviously make sure they've got the correct address. Uh, you know who the service provider is, but also which bank account are they drawing it from? They haven't drawn it in three years. So you might, you might've either closed that account or you might've just drained it and they're going to hit you for whatever your payment is. And if you don't have the money in there, you got an insufficient funds deal. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, at this point for, for how long the moratorium has been, you know, that there may be a need to reauthorize those automatic debits to, to start the loan payments again. Um, you, you mentioned public service loan forgiveness yeah. a moment ago. Again, that, that that's supposed to wipe out uh, debt after 10 years of, again, income-based payments. Right. So th this is for also people that are working for not-for-profits or government jobs. Yeah. You're going to want to recertify that you're in an, el an eligible job before December 31st. Yeah, that, that might have expired. And, and if that's your game plan, make sure they've got that on record and recertify. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Steve Ruby. And we're talking about, yep, those student loan payments are starting back up in October. Oh, okay, so if you haven't done anything in the last three and a half years, you may want to look at some options. There's obviously the default is I've got to pay it back within 10 years, but there are some other types of repayment plans uh, that you may want to look into. Yeah, I mean, there's a half dozen yeah. uh, different repayment plans. We're not going to get into all of them today, That you know, but it's between the standard 10 years, uh, steady payments, and other income-driven repayment plans. That's important to know about because... If you're at a place now where you, you can't necessarily afford to add on this this new payment yeah. and, and you're struggling, then there are you, options. Yeah. You, you look at one of these income driven repayment plans and, and it can kick down that that amount that you're obligated to pay to a much more manageable. Yeah. It's, level. Ba it's based on your income. So, OK, it's going to be a much lower amount than than uh, possibly if you were at a high paying job at this point in your life and kept with the original terms. There's an, another program that's new that very few people are aware of. It's probably just with larger employers, but if you work for a larger employer or smaller for that matter, still you, you want to run this by HR, there's a new COVID-era tax provision that allows employers to pay up to $5,250 towards your student loans without accounting as taxable income to you. And that's only through 2025. So At this point. Yeah. yeah. So check check with HR. Your employer may help make payments for you. Yeah. And specifically, an, empo an employee benefit research in institute survey, they, they found last year that half of larger employers already offered or, or they're planning to adopt this benefit. Uh, if it's not available, maybe maybe lobby for it. Yeah. And while you're talking to your HR department about it beginning in 2024, employers can also opt to count your student loan and loan payments the same as they would your contribution to the company's 401k plan for the purposes of providing an employer 401k match. 
pretty good deal if your employer opted in. Yep. Here, here's the all worth advice. If you or someone in your family has student loan debt, explore all of your options to get it paid off. Coming up next, one of our favorite segments when we get to answer your questions. Stay right there. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Should you be bundling your flight, hotel, and rental car when you travel? What the experts say, that's coming up straight ahead. All right, if you've got a financial question you'd like for us to answer, there's a red button you can click on while you're listening to the show on the iHeart app. Record your question. It goes straight to us. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Tony in Burlington was asking us, he said, my employer matches my 401k. Does this money count towards my yearly limit? This is the easiest uh, answer yet. Well, answer it. No. <laughs> that's the answer. Yeah. That's you you can put up to 22.5 of your own money uh, into the plan if you're over 50, another 7,500 to bring it up to 30. But you know what? There's a $66,000 total that if your employer wants to give you all of that extra money to bring the potentially $30,000 contribution up to 66, yeah. Yeah. So it, technically, there, there's the lower limit that's your contributions, yeah. and then there's the higher limit, which most people never get to experience. And that's the most money that can enter your plan. So in that situation, yeah. yes. Uh, so I, I do amend my answer. It's it's a uh, kind of situational. Timothy has a question that I think a lot of people are asking themselves after 2022. What's your take on the bond market lately? Are bonds still a safe investment? He said, I'm nearing retirement, trying to figure out how to protect my money. And this is a favorite subject of mine because bonds got killed in 2022. Most of the bond indexes were down over 10% in, in 2022. And, and bonds are an area where people say, wait, I thought this was my safe money. I thought this was my shock absorber on the volatile money, which is in the stock market. First of all, bonds are, think of them as a CD but they're issued by somebody other than a bank. When you buy a CD at a bank, the bank guarantees the return of your money when it comes due and an interest rate in the meantime. And you really can't cash it out beforehand. If you do, you know, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. You're going to penalize you. But a bond has a maturity date also. And if you hold a bond until it comes due, you should be getting your money back unless that company went, went bankrupt. So if you hold a bond till maturity, you should be fine. The problem gets into, well, wait a second. I bought a bond that doesn't come due in five years. I'm only two years into owning it and interest rates went up. Well, if that bond pays 2% interest and bonds coming out because of higher interest rates since then are up to 3%, nobody wants to buy your bond if it's paying a lower interest rate. So it goes down so the price in goes down. value. Mm -hmm. But the other lesson is, when interest rates come down, guess what? They can go back up. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, what what we've been talking about is maybe we see another interest rate hike, rate hike this year. Yeah, but we're, but in we're 20, probably close to being done. Yeah, in 2024, yeah. most economists out there, Andy Stout, chief investment officer of Allworth Financial himself included, yeah. uh, do see interest rates falling, in which case your bond prices uh, are going to go back up. Yeah. And and that's the point. Uh, again, if you hold a bond till maturity, you should get your money back unless that underlying issuer went bankrupt or had some major financial issues. But if you're like the average person and you've got bonds in a 401k, you, you're probably thinking to yourself, wow, they, these aren't good anymore. I lost a lot of money last year. Yeah. Only because interest rates went up. And when interest rates come back down, 
bonds should and will rebound. We saw it in 82 and 83. So whenever the Fed changes their policy and reduces interest rates, expect your bonds to go up. They're not like stocks, which are more a guessing game. Bonds move up and down substantially for one reason, one reason only, and that's changes in interest rates. And they're like a teeter-totter. Interest rates go up, bond values go down. Interest rates go down, bond values go up. I think we beat that to death, but yeah, you know what? <laughs> Thanks for it's, the question, Timothy. But it's, yeah, but it's important because a lot of people have quite a bit of their 401k in bonds and they're wondering what's going on. Okay, uh, David in Lawrenceburg, his dad just started getting his monthly social security check. It's about 1200 bucks, but he also has a pension and some other investments. I heard he might have to pay taxes on his social security benefit. Is that true? It depends on his income uh, across might. the board. If, if you're married filing jointly and you have over $32,000 in income, then 50% of your social security benefit is taxable. If it's $44,000 in income, then 85% of your social security. And benefit again, is that's taxable. the adjusted gross income, uh, your income after deductions, plus half of your social security benefit. So it doesn't take much to bring it up to those numbers. Yeah. And, and you're not paying 50%. You're not paying 85%. Right. You're paying your ordinary income tax rates on that percentage of, of the benefit itself. Yeah. So the answer is could be. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac along with Steve Ruby, and we're answering your questions. And Tyler from Oakley says his wife and he have a six-month-old daughter. What type of life insurance should they be getting for her? Well, they, they ask what type of life insurance they should be getting. Right. So, that, so that, that makes me wonder, not for her, but for themselves. Is, is how okay. I see that. So, okay. you know, when, when, when you're looking at expanding beyond what your employer offers, for example, yeah. a lot of folks I work with that they're, they're focusing on term insurance because it has the lowest premium for the highest death benefit. Mm -hmm. And you can also align that for your time frame till you're going to be either debt free or retired, no longer earning income. Right. right. So the, the way I read this from from Tyler is, is looking at term policies for themselves. Yeah. As far as an insurance uh, policy for a six-month-old daughter. Uh, is she working? Do you need to replace the income that <laughs> yeah, she's exactly. not making if she passes? Yeah, there's there's people out there that over yeah. time that have bought, you know, policies for, for babies. But it, it, for the most part, I that's don't not, like it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's somebody trying to get a commission. I, I, I agree. Chris and Ann from Finneytown, we're trying to save col for college for our two kids but we're also trying to save for retirement. It's a challenge. Yes, it is. I've been through it too. Any suggestions for how to deal with these competing priorities? This is a tough one. I mean, you, you can't do everything. Yeah. I mean, sit down and build out a financial plan with a fiduciary yeah. financial planner that can help you understand where you are and what gaps need to be closed. Because yep. what I'll say is that, you know, and, and unfortunately loans are a hot topic right now. We talked about them today. We had a whole segment on them. Uh, remember though that kids they, they can borrow for for college yeah. if if they need to yeah. but you typically can't borrow for retirement well good point and and the the problem with saving for college first of all i i mean tuitions have gone kablooey i mean 60 70 grand a year for some colleges um and college comes sooner for most people than retirement i i mean if you've got you know 12 13 year old kids well, that's only five years off. Your retirement might be 20 years off. So it, it's hard to do both, split dollars, put some money in both directions. But by all means, make sure you continue to participate in your 401k to at least get the company match. Yeah. And, and when it comes to a 529, remember, this is a great vehicle for saving for college where the money doesn't have to come from only you. There are, you know, people out Hit there. Hit up the that grandparents. Are, exactly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it is an opportunity to to 
tell friends, family, extended family, close family uh, for birthday gifts or Christmas or whatever holidays you celebrate. Good call. Good Use I, that. I'm doing exactly that for my grandkids because I don't know how you can pay for college these days. Coming up next, whether bundling your hotel, flight, and car rental gives you a better deal. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. It cost to travel adds up, and and you've got the you've already booked the flight, you've already booked the hotel, the rental car, um, but shouldn't you just bundle them all up to get a special deal? Well, sometimes yeah, but not always. Sometimes that's not a great deal. Yeah, so bundling reduces your options to travel partners only. That's the problem. So, for example, Costco Travel doesn't currently offer flights with Southwest or Spirit. So you're, you're limited to what they're going to provide you with in that situation. And yeah. it doesn't, doesn't give you as much of an option to shop around when you're bundling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you use Orbitz or Kayak or something like that. You can, you've got a cost compare because you mentioned Southwest. If you fly Southwest and, and you're trying to book a car through their partners, they don't even include Enterprise, which tends to be my go-to. The cheapest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, there's another group out there, and I, I haven't seen these uh, this group bundled with anybody else. Have you ever heard of Turo, T-U-R-O? Yeah, it's like Airbnb, but for vehicles. Exactly. And it's it's pretty darn slick. Turo.com. Uh, I haven't used it yet. I've Me got neither. a sister who uses it all the time. And it's basically people letting you use their personal car. Some people have expanded in, into a business, but some people, it's literally just their extra car. And I've found savings anywhere from 50% less, 25% less. Um, and they'll even pick you up at the airport. You know, some, what I haven't sometimes. looked into is how much I could make off of that, uh, renting out my my electric vehicle, for example. Is Nothing. there money to be made there? Um, Probably not. Do you, do you really want somebody else potentially driving your car and backing into somebody? Not really. Spot. I don't yeah. want anybody staying in my bedroom either. That's why I don't. <laughs> that's why I don't rent out Airbnb. My place for Airbnb. Well, and and, and I I think that's why I personally wouldn't do it. But I'm more than willing to save some money and use them instead of a, a normal uh, rental car agency. I fly Allegiant quite a bit. I okay. mean, they're dirt cheap, and and I think their reputation as being poor and old airplanes is totally undeserved. I'm I'm really happy with Allegiant, and they let you bundle. And and we've used rental cars through Allegiant sometimes. But you've got to read the fine print because the first time we bundled and, and got a rental car, uh, when we got to the counter, we still owed money, even though we paid for the rental. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they separate out the local taxes and fees for that airport that you have to pay separately from what you paid online. If you know that going in, that's okay. If you don't know it going in, that's kind of a rude surprise. So yeah, you got to look at, you got to cost compare and look at the options. Yeah. So if there's a change like that, then you're not necessarily, or if there's a change to your travel plans too, then then you're not just subject to the agency's policies, but also, also the travel provider's policies too. Yeah. So which the, can make making changes more difficult. So the answer of, does it work to bundle? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You really got to go ahead and, and cost compare and look at it from both directions. Hey, thanks for listening. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about some changes for 2024 that could impact how much you pay for stuff. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial on 55KRC, the talk station.